0: Kia ora and welcome to Season 1 of Coffee Time Theology. This is the 8th episode from our expression of church during the first lockdown and we're discussing what Jesus experienced with church, so we hope you enjoy it.
1: Kia ora everybody and welcome to this, our 8th episode of Sunday Gathering, but it's a podcast. I'm Grace and with me as always is Stu. Kia ora. And today we're going to be talking about how Jesus experienced church.
0: Yeah, we thought that might be a a fun, interesting, and relevant topic. We are in level two. Yay! But not quite the level two that maybe we were expecting.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: There's a a few extra restrictions, or or maybe there there are less releasing of, raising of restrictions. What? How do you... If you impose a restriction, what do you do to get rid of it? Lift it. Lift the restriction. There's less restriction lifting than perhaps people thought, but they all basically make sense. They're kind of common sense restrictions. Yeah. Limiting the amount of people in certain places.
1: Yeah, I, I had talked to a few people that were quite uncomfortable with the thought of going straight from bubbles at home to gatherings of 100 people allowed. It does make sense that we're limited to gatherings of 10 people for the moment.
0: Yeah. It'd be really weird if they put in like restrictions that didn't make sense.
1: I think people just wouldn't follow them.
0: Hmm. I still like the idea... Of a restriction. It's like, actually, everyone must wear steel cap boots at all times. But it doesn't really make sense with a pandemic. Like, how would that help you?
1: No, and most people don't own steel cap boots.
0: Yeah. But anyway, level two. And one of the things with level two is we are allowed gatherings of up to 10 people. So that means that um church services... Aren't happening.
1: And lots of people have feelings about that.
0: Mm, Mixed feelings. Strong feelings. Just, I just have a lot of feelings. What's that from? I think that's from Mean Girls. Mean Girls? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I just have a lot of feelings. She doesn't even go here. Do you go? Anyway. So Mean Girls reference aside, uh, there's a lot of strong feelings about this. I believe there's a open letter from some churches about how we should be able to meet that's been spearheaded by Simon Bridges or Represented by Simon Bridges.
1: Yeah, so he, he wrote the letter. He's written a letter to Jacinda Ardern on behalf of churches asking that the restriction be raised for churches specifically. And again, lots of people
0: have feelings about that. Mm, strong, strong feelings. But when I had to talk about that specifically, we thought when we were interacting with this and the, the groundswell of conversations again about what church should look like and what's tradition versus what's the actual reason for meeting together and all of those conversations that we've basically talked about for the last two podcasts, we thought we shouldn't have that conversation again. However, we thought it would be really interesting if we sat down and talked about how Jesus experienced church.
1: Yeah, so like what did he go to?
0: Yeah, what structures were in place that Jesus participated in. So specifically, uh, just to give you a little bit of a roadmap, we're going to talk about synagogue, temple, disciples, and 4,000, question mark, 5,000. Grace wrote that note, um, and I'm sure she'll explain it a little bit later, because I have forgotten why that note is there. We'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. So first of all, I guess we should just jump straight in. Should we talk about synagogue? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that that is the first thing on the list. Yep. So in in Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, we we get this, this interesting little passage. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him had spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom.
0: Cool. So we know Jesus participated in synagogue. That's, that's useful. That's helpful. So what is synagogue? What do we mean by synagogue when we're reading it in scripture?
1: Well, the synagogue is a really interesting thing that came, came about, sort of, from the Jewish people being unable to get to the temple when the temple had been destroyed. And so it was a way of practicing religion, of reading the scriptures and learning about God that didn't involve the sacrificial worship of the temple. There was a synagogue in each town where there was ten or more Jewish families, because the requirement was that there had to be at least ten Jewish men to create a synagogue. And they got together, they read the scriptures, they prayed. It was uh, mostly on the Sabbath day that they got together and and prayed, but a weekly rhythm also sort of came up.
0: Do you think that ten, Do you think that's why we have gatherings of 10? You know, so 10 Jewish men can come together to create synagogue? Or do you think that's actually quite irrelevant and where that number 10 came from for New Zealand 2020's uh, restriction in level 2?
1: I think they're probably unrelated.
0: Okay, I just thought, I, I'm sure someone would wonder, so I thought I'd ask the question. Okay. On okay. behalf of our questioning listeners.
1: Well, fair enough. <laughs> All right. The synagogue was also the school, which is something that, a lot of people don't think about is that on the Sunday, it was the day where the whole community came in and learnt about the scriptures. But the rest of the week, it was where the children went and learnt about the scriptures and learnt to read and learnt to interact with each other and Mm. learnt how to argue well and appropriately Mm. and debate and all of that sort of stuff. All of the young children would be there until it was time for them to go back with their family and learn their family trade.
0: So. So in this this passage, um, so synagogues exist and and people learn in them. In this passage, it talks about how Jesus visits the synagogues. You know, he goes and he teaches in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Was that a common thing for someone to come in uh, specifically to teach in the synagogue? Was there like a rotation of of uh, preachers, and you know, I don't know, is there a, a synagogue circuit that uh, rabbis would go around, or how did that work?
1: Yeah, So so what would happen is that each town would have Uh, the rabbi who was the one who was sort of in charge of the synagogue and Mm -hmm. he was in charge of the teaching of the students throughout the week. And he also would have his disciples who were like uh, older students who were sort of studying to be rabbis themselves. But during the Sunday, um, any one of those 10 men who were sort of the elders, the founding members of the synagogue could stand up and teach about the scriptures. Okay. And that was an expected role that would be shared out around among everybody. And then when uh, sort of wandering rabbis became a thing, uh, rabbis who didn't necessarily have a local town that they were embedded in, they would go from synagogue to synagogue and they could speak in that synagogue only if they were invited to by one of those 10 men. Mm-kay. So we, we yeah. see these we see these men uh, referred to in the New Testament often as the synagogue leaders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so quite often we see them reacting badly to what Jesus had to say and kicking him out of the synagogue. That happens a few times. And we also see them praising him, like in this scripture.
0: What kind of happened in synagogue? Yeah, was it in synagogue? I don't know if that's the right term. In the synagogue? In in the corporate expression of of teaching and worship, maybe, at the synagogue. mm -hmm. Was there kind of a, a standard rhythm? You say everyone... Out of the, the 10, I guess, key men in the synagogue and they shared the teaching, was it, was it quite structured? Was there, you know, things they did every week or was it just get together and, and one of the 10 share some thoughts?
1: Well, we know, like what we know is that it varied hugely. So in some places it was very uh, like a rigid structure and the exact same thing happened every week. In some places, it was very loosely held and was different every week.
0: That sounds really familiar. I, are you talking about synagogue or are you talking about modern church? Oh,
1: oh. I'm talking about the synagogue, you, But wow. you know, maybe the modern church has a base here, and that you know, there's more of a connection than we than we previously thought. Hmm.
0: So you're saying some of it was was quite rigid, and some of it was was less so. What were the kind of things that might might happen?
1: So we know that in almost every synagogue, there were at least two things that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they got together and they shared in a prayer and then they delved into the word together. And those were the two things that were definitely in every synagogue meeting everywhere. But then there were also, there was also times of sung worship using the Psalms. There were also times where rather than uh, one person delving into the word, it was more of a debate there were also lots of other elements that could be brought in, like performances or other little types of prayers or something like the offering mm. today, where you know a hat was passed around and the community put money in to support something.
0: It sounds like that might be the root of, of our kind of smaller local churches at the moment, uh, what we have in terms of prayer and, and preaching, worship, fellowship. Uh, sounds very heavily rooted in, in this idea of synagogue and the, the people coming together for teaching and praise and worship.
1: Yeah, I think it's a like what we have today is a direct descendant of the synagogue mm. because that, those early Christians uh, were familiar with how the synagogue worked. Well, the early Christians that came from a Jewish background mm. and they could teach the early Christians who came from a Greek or Roman background about the rhythms of community and you know, how to praise and worship God. And so that the rhythms of the, of the Sabbath at the synagogue are, yeah, the direct ancestors of the current rhythms of praise and worship at your local church.
0: So if that's, if that's synagogue, it shares some similarities, but also some differences uh, with the idea of temple and, and the sacrificial worship. So maybe we should move on to uh, talking about temple now.
1: Yeah, do you want to tell us about the temple, Stu?
0: Sure. Um, so the temple was the, is the home of the, the sacrificial worship system. Uh, If we look at Leviticus, and anyone who's been um, at our church will know that I like talking about the laws in Leviticus. He really does love talking
1: about Leviticus.
0: The sacrificial systems that are set up that help us be right with God and help us be right with each other. And basically all these things that are in there that are like, hey, if you do this, this is how we make it right. I really love love that. But so the temple is kind of the home of of that system. Yeah? Mm, Yeah. The temple's gone through a lot of... Evolution's, yep. You know, over time, uh, as temples were, or the temple was pulled down or destroyed and rebuilt, and through exile and through all sorts of uh, Old Testament drama,
1: Uh the the
0: temple had a few different formats,
1: iterations,
0: iterations. Yeah, but it was it was the destination for Jewish people. You know, there were these the diff, different festivals that people would go through to and it's like, hey, we'll come here and this is where we do our festival of atonement. You know, this is where we do our festival where what we're doing today, this is the sacrifice that will cover our sins until we meet again. Because we have an understanding of if we do this particular thing, we're right with God. Mm. And so the the temple was the home of that. Right, yeah. One of the things about the temple, though, that we have to understand a little bit is because of the uh, nature of it being destroyed and rebuilt and rebuilt bigger and, and destroyed and, you know, all those kind of things One of the things that we have to remember is because of this, it was constantly being rebuilt and modified and and worked on. It was a noisy building site.
1: Yeah. The the temple at the time of Jesus was what's known as Herod's Temple. Mm. And it wasn't finished yet.
0: Yeah. It was probably quite noisy, you know? And the other thing we have to remember is it was kind of smelly. You know, like it was a place where ritual sacrifice happened. You know, like the... Sacrifice of animals
1: So there would be animals all around And there'd be crowds of people And there'd be like incense and yeah, fire and would be
0: I don't know if there'd be milling
1: Oh, there'd probably be milling you
0: know, and, and, you know, noises that animals make And it was quite a, an assault on the senses, if you will You know, walking into that place You'd smell the temple, you'd hear the temple With the incenses and stuff You'd probably actually feel the temple you know, when you walk into a place that's burning incense or you walk into a place uh, that's smoky, you can kind of feel that on your skin. Yeah? yeah. And so the temple is this massive presence, both as a pinnacle of Israel society, but also this presence that you can, it's tangible. When you're in the temple, you know you're in the temple.
1: Yeah, it's, it's overwhelming, you know. It's, it's crowded and it's loud and it's smelly and chaotic. Uh, And there's just a whole lot of stuff going on all the time. Hmm. And so one of the things about
0: that is because it's this pinnacle place, it's also a place where celebrity preachers, you know, would go. If we use a, a modern term, they'd go and they'd preach to the crowds in the courtyard. Sometimes there'd be multiple preachers there. There'd be people sharing their different interpretations of scripture in the same space, which just sounds fascinating to me. I like this idea of like two uh, alternating or um, counter ideas of like two people almost debating while they shared their thought. I don't know if that's, that's true, but I like the idea of multiple preachers there sharing their thoughts. And someone's like, well, this is actually, you know. My interpretation of that, in, in the courtyard, you know, it's not even in the temple proper. Yeah. It's in, in the courtyard because it's just what the, you do at temple. Yeah. You know, while we're, well, we're at the temple, let's talk about scriptures.
1: Yeah, and we, we see Jesus doing this.
0: Yeah, which, which is cool. It's also the, as I said before, you know, the home to those festivals that defined the calendar for the Jewish community. Yeah. You know, we do this at this particular time. And we see um, throughout the Gospel of John. Mm -hmm. You know, we can see that Jesus is interacting with these festivals. He's going to the temple to partake and participate. And to comment on. And to comment on, yeah. And to offer insight into these festivals, which is fascinating in itself. Because Jesus is going there as the fulfillment of of some of the law. That's not the point. It's yeah. just fascinating.
1: Yeah. Well, Jesus interacting with those festivals could be a whole another discussion by itself. So we'll not get stuck in that rabbit hole. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so what we do know, what we will talk about, is that we know Jesus was in the temple because of a couple of scriptures teaching in the temple. So Luke uh, twenty-one chapter. Oops. Luke chapter twenty-one, <laughs> verse thirty-seven. <laughs> get it right, Stu. Each day Jesus was teaching at the temple, and each evening he went out to spend the night on the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to hear him at the temple. You know, quite explicitly, we know Jesus was at the temple, it's recorded in a few places, but. Luke, you know, that that particular passage. What's also really interesting is in Matthew 26, when uh, Jesus is about to be arrested, um, you know, when they're in the garden Mm -hmm. and Jesus is about to be arrested, he actually reminds people that he was in the temple. You know, Matthew 26, 55, am I leading a rebellion that you come at me with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I sat in the temple courts teaching and you did not arrest me. Dot dot dot. You know, it keeps going. It's also in Mark and and, and Luke. But yeah,
1: that same that same that sentence. Same
0: sentence, and he's yeah. basically like, "What? Are you, like, I was sitting over there in the temple, like all the time teaching. You know, like, like you every day. You could have kind of seen me then. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's Jesus, kind of calling them out on their suspicious and underhanded behavior. It's just another confirmation that Jesus was part of the rhythm of the temple. He was regularly teaching in it.
1: Yeah, and the, the crowds of people were going there every morning to see him. Like, he was there preaching every day, hmm. and he was sort of participating in like, the expected rhythms and the expected what a celebrity preacher would do at yeah. the temple.
0: And so, the thing we remember about the temple is while the synagogue was this weekly teaching, mm. you know, that they, they people participated in it every week, the temple was this huge, like, behemoth of a thing. It was like an overwhelming environment that was designed for most people to interact with it occasionally, you know. You come participate in the festival.
1: Yeah, like if, you're, you're there for a week and you go every day and that's where you spend your, your time.
0: Yeah, and you're there for that week of the year, you know. Or you're there because actually you really need to participate into um, this festival that's all about reconciliation, yeah. you know, because you did gone goofed. And you needed to be reconciled with your neighbor.
1: You dung goofed
0: You are goofed
1: And there's also, like, people traveled from the far reaches of the Roman Empire to come to the temple. So some people sort of lived locally and would have been there once a month, once a year. But some people only ever made it to the temple once in their lifetime.
0: Hmm. So it's this thing that was, I guess for most people, an occasional. You know, yeah. it was like going into the cathedral if you... Had a big cathedral um, that you could travel to, and it was this kind of experience for you. You're going to go participate and worship at the cathedral,
1: yeah, or or like like a big conference. It happens once a year, and it's huge, and it's loud, and it's rowdy, and there's a celebrity preacher there. You know, it's it's sort of that sort of vibe.
0: Hmm. And so, so that's that's temple and synagogue, and we've got these two concepts that go hand in hand, but they're things that Jesus was well embedded in. Yeah, this is this is his rhythms for corporate worship and for what we call church. Yeah, yeah. And then we move on a little bit into discipleship. What happened with the disciples?
1: So, how many how many disciples did Jesus have, Stu?
0: This, this feels like a trick question. Like I'm on um QI, uh, you know, when they ask the question and there's an answer that everyone thinks is right and no one wants to say it. And because it's like, if I like Grace, there were 12 disciples. Beep. Yeah, there's a big, uh, wrong. Um. So I'm going to say 12.
1: Wrong. <laughs> what? <laughs> so everyone sort of has this concept of the 12 disciples, and that's sort of the image that we're familiar with. Yeah. But through the New Testament... And, and there
0: were those 12 disciples. They're a, they're a real thing. Yeah they're, yeah,
1: they're a real thing, but yeah. they aren't the only disciples. Right, yeah. Yeah, so we also see mentioned throughout the New Testament bigger groups of disciples. Like Luke talks about at least 72 disciples in Luke chapter 10. So we know that there was the, the inner circle of the 12 disciples, mm-hmm. but there was also a bigger group of disciples that followed Jesus around and learned from him. So when the Bible's talking about disciples, we don't always know which group it was referring to, whether it was referring to the small, the smaller group of 12 or the bigger group of probably around 100. The point is just that the 12 disciples sort of functioned a little bit like a leadership team.
0: Ooh. Ooh. Or like the elders of a church If you're from a different denomination Yeah yeah,
1: yeah. So the larger group of disciples Were like Jesus' church His synagogue group But because he was a travelling preacher The group travelled too mm-hmm. And we know that some of the disciples were married Some of them brought their children along with them It would have been like a big noisy group And that also gives some significance To Judas being the, the money keeper For the group because it's it's not just for a small group of 12 people it's mm. for a lot of people that all needed food and you know somewhere safe to sleep and all of that sort of stuff
0: and so so within that the 12 which i guess we said the 13 because it's Jesus and 12
1: yep yeah uh-huh.
0: if they if they functioned more as as kind of the the leaders and they were directly mentored and teaching from Jesus should we assume that they also mentored the others or what do you think? Oh, this is.
1: She's going off notes here. I'm going
0: off notes. This is just a, a question that popped into my head. What do you think?
1: I think that we do see evidence of that happening after the resurrection. Yeah, cool. But we don't necessarily see that happening before. Hmm. Like before the resurrection, we see Jesus directly investing into these guys and maybe giving them a little bit of freedom and a little bit of authority so that when, you know, the, the whole resurrection thing happened, Easter. It's a big thing. We talked about it in a different podcast. You can go listen to it. (laughs) Um, We we see them stepping into that more distinct individual leadership role Mm. later on, but here they're more as a group receiving the teaching, yeah.
0: And even in that in that twelve, um, there was like a inner inner circle. Yeah, so yeah. There, there's
1: like a, a subgroup within like the twelve.
0: The BFFs within the twelve disciples.
1: Yeah, so there's James, John, and Peter are like the disciples that Jesus leaned on, and the other ones that were more like actually more his friends as well as disciples. So they had more of a a relationship as a little bit more equals, still not quite equals because it's Jesus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The whole shared authority and stuff um, becomes a little bit more interesting when you're like, well, also, um, you know, son of God, part of of the Trinity, God incarnate.
1: Yeah. So like James, Peter and John, they're still his students and they're still learning from him Mm. and he's still mentoring them. But he does lean on them a lot more and... They become more friends as well as students. Yeah.
0: So we don't actually know when it, when in the Gospels it refers to the disciples. We're not really sure which disciples is being referred to, are we? I mean, there's probably some context stuff because um, context is important. You know, if you've been talking about the 12 and then you talk about the disciples straight afterwards, probably a, a good assumption to talk about we're talking about the 12 disciples. But then again, it might not be because it might be uh, about contrasting. We were talking about these ones and now we're talking about all the disciples. So it's it's just really important to remember when we look at it to read the context and be like, hey, which disciples do we know which disciples?
1: Yeah. Is it the hundred? Is it the twelve? Is it the three? Who is it here that Jesus is talking to? Because it is quite a varied group. Hmm.
0: So back to the note that I was like, what? What is this note here? You know, like, so what about the four thousand or the five thousand grace? Why? Why do I have a note about four thousand question mark?
1: Because we have in the New Testament in all of the Gospels a narrative where Jesus sits somewhere in the countryside and teaches a huge group of people. Mm. You know, he he sits there and people come from miles around to come and hear the mm. celebrity preacher talk, and that doesn't really fit into. Any of the previous things we've talked about, mm. you know, that situation doesn't fit into a synagogue and that situation doesn't fit into the temple. So it it's sort of its own distinct thing that was happening. Mm. We don't know if it, it was an extension of the celebrity preacher talking at the temple, mm. but for the people that couldn't make it to the temple or like, this is something that we know a lot less about.
0: Mm. Because there's even that, um, there's a comment about how Jesus didn't consider himself like their their pastor, right? There's a conversation about sheep without a shepherd. You're not part of like a synagogue or you're not part of my, my 12 or my 72, you're something else. Is that is that what we're referring to here?
1: Yeah, like he didn't consider, if we're going to use the term pastor, he did not consider himself their pastor. Like he was there and he was teaching them and he was happy to be teaching them and mm. talking to them. But. He knew that they could never have sort of that pastor relationship with them. He was not their shepherd. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's interesting to think of. Um, there's actually two two separate incidences of this happening. One with one where it says the four thousand, and one where it says the five thousand. And both of those numbers are only the the men that were counted. So there could be up to fifteen twenty thousand if we include the so women and like children. So we're like talking
0: about feeding the five thousand. That's where yes, that's, that's part of yeah.
1: That's what we're talking about. Mm. Yep. Yep, the 5,000 were there to hear him preach, mm. and then they were all hungry, and the disciples were worried about them starting a riot. So Jesus fed them, or Jesus enabled the disciples to feed them. But again, that's its own sermon. We don't, we don't need to talk about no. that now. It was just a, a note to say these examples of Jesus talking to huge crowds outside in the countryside, and that's something that we don't really know where it fits.
0: And so we've looked at synagogue and temple and discipleship gatherings and just mass huge gatherings of just heaps of people together. And we've looked at how Jesus was a part of each of these, you know, in in his lifetime.
1: Yeah, he engaged and he participated in all of these in different ways, but all to the full, he participated.
0: And there's no, we don't have a uh, ground shaking point to make here about these different expressions of church. We just wanted to take the time in amongst the feelings that people have right now about what should church be, I was really looking forward to getting together with all of my people and I can't. And there are also, man I'm just so excited I can get together with nine other people and study, study the word. or just get together as a group and participate in corporate worship together and in all of that I just think there's something really cool about taking the opportunity to recognize that Jesus did the same things
1: yeah there's there's lots of common ground that we can feel with each other and with Jesus when we recognize the practices we have today and the practices that he participated in
0: yeah I like to think there'll be times when Jesus was on the road Uh, traveling where he was just like, you know what? It's just been a season of traveling and mass gatherings. And I'm just really looking forward to temple.
1: Or times when he was at the temple and he just needed that break in the garden.
0: Yeah. Or he just really wanted to to go to synagogue. He was like, actually, I just, I really want to share this. I really want to go teach in the synagogue. Or I want to hear someone else's word in the synagogue. Mm. Yeah. I just, it's such a rich, varied expression of corporate worship. I think in that, it's just really cool. To take the opportunity to look at what Jesus did, and be like, "Hey, we can do that too." Jesus did it, you know, and yeah. we can do it too.
1: So as as we head into this week, and we're we're thinking about the things that we're looking forward to, it's okay to have a variety of things we're looking forward to. You know, mm. we can be looking forward to getting together with one person, and we can be looking forward to the next time we can get together with five hundred. And that's fine. Both of those are ways that Jesus can connect with us and that we can join in this beautiful thing that is the church. Hmm.
0: God, this week, help us to recognize you. Help us to recognize you in our gatherings, that you are part of all of these different expressions. And each of them honoured you and we get the opportunity to participate in them too.
1: Be with us as we go forward into this next week, Lord. Surround us with your love and with your presence and your comfort. And help us to find our unity with our fellow Christians. No matter what our practices are, we're all connected with you and we can all worship you in ways that are honouring to you.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to listen to our podcast today. We hope that you were enlightened. We hope that maybe you learned a little bit about the context of of Jesus's ministry and some of the stuff that he was participating in.
1: And we hope that you managed to find some points of connection, things that you recognized as practices that you enjoy. If you have any thoughts about anything that we should talk about, if you've got anything that you'd like to hear us talk about, feel free to send us a message or an email. You can find us on Facebook under Rolleston Salvation Army, or we're on Instagram under Salvation Army Rolleston. So once again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Cool. (laughs) cool cool (laughs) bye bye